0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Anna Cusack, and today I'm speaking with Mariam Abu Eid. She is an emergency department nurse from Royal Melbourne Hospital, obviously in Melbourne, Victoria, and is coming to us today to talk about what she's actually seeing coming through the emergency department, what hospital environment is like right now as COVID cases in Victoria are up around. 17, 1600
1: cases mm-hmm. a day. Yeah. So, welcome, Mariam. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, you did a perfect introduction. Um, my name is Mariam, um, and I do work at an emergency department at a um, level one trauma hospital in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, so, we are seeing a lot of sick COVID. Um, And it is a tough time, I think, for everyone right now. So it's really good that we've got extra education in terms of COVID and vaccines to everyone who's willing to learn more about it.
0: Mm, And you have been doing a lot of work on your social media profile outside of your hours in the emergency department, educating people around everything from vaccination to, I think your inbox has been flooded with people asking about Mm -hmm. oxygen supplementation at home and all sorts of things. So We're going to cover a few questions today and anything that you may be interested in, um, down that line, you can follow along with Mariam's Instagram and I will provide that link for you in the show notes of the podcast. And, uh, yeah, this recording will be used for podcast and for an IGTV, Facebook video as well. So you can find us all sorts of places. So Mariam, when you are working on your shift at emergency, what symptoms do people with COVID present to you with? How many days into their disease are they? Is it coming on suddenly or slowly? Like, what are you seeing?
1: So, a lot of the times it day five to 10. So they're considered your sickest days. And um, there was an actually study and study conducted in China and US. It was a um, correlated study. And they found that days five to 10 were your sickest days with um, day five and day 10, not to confuse you all, um, in particular, were your sickest. So if you did get sick on day five, you were more likely to get very sick on day 10 um, and ah. vice versa. So yeah, the chances of getting really sick are higher if you were sick on day five. So you get a lot of people, you speak to them on day four, day five, and they're like, yeah, cool. Like we're feeling okay. Just got this cough, feel a bit of short of breath. And then the next day they're in hospital and it just, they deteriorate so quickly and it's just a whole like cascade of events and they end up in ICU on the ventilator. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Um, my uncle, he's currently on a ventilator at the moment. Um, he was up on the ward doing absolutely fine. Oxygen levels were at an appropriate um, level. And then the next day I got a phone call from my auntie saying that he is being ventilated up in ICU. So they deteriorate mm. so quickly. And that is why it is so important to seek medical help and advice when you do um, feel so sick or if your symptoms are worsening. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the time it's the young people saying, oh, I'm young, I don't have any comorbidities. Um, I'll be fine, put my feet up. You know keep my hydration levels up but it's not really that like if you are really sick and if your symptoms are getting worse you need to present to an emergency department
0: mm, and i'm so sorry to hear that about your uncle
1: oh, um
0: funny. we had a case listed in new south wales just today where someone in their 20s died at home who hadn't been diagnosed Horrible. that didn't know at all um Horrible. that it's they had like- the disease so yeah, it's, it's not just for the frail elderly, it's, um, it's for everyone. And, and um, I love that explanation as well, that, you know, day five, you might get ill. And then I am hearing a lot of people feeling like they're getting better. And then suddenly yeah. it gets, it gets worse yeah. really quickly. And it sounds like it can even get worse quickly if they are in hospital too is that yeah,
1: yeah, yeah just like my uncle he was up on the ward um he was quite sick but not sick enough for ICU and then just you know he was up on ward just receiving minimal amounts of oxygen um and what, whatever they do up on the ward and then obviously he deteriorated quite quickly ended up needing um an ICU bed and a ventilator so it's just so unpredictable and it's not um We don't want to just, you know, ignore any of the symptoms that you do present with. So, yeah, it is very important to get um, medical help ASAP.
0: And
1: so the primary symptom that people
0: are coming to you with is kind of shortness of breath and uncontrolled
1: coughing and things like that? Shortness of breath is a big one and low um, low oxygen saturations.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's more associated with kind of feeling faint or dizzy or...
1: Yeah, because yeah, you have to imagine COVID affects the lungs. So you have this buildup of um, fluid and it's so inflamed. So the oxygen saturation is going to be quite low. Um, and they do present as, yeah, shorter breath, um, faint, lethargic. Um, faint is a big one, actually. They do come quite um, faint. And, yeah, coughing. They're probably
0: tired from having to breathe so fast I, as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you can see it. Um, you can see their work of breathing.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's not a passive process anymore. You can sort of see the chest and the neck and everything's trying to breathe rather than it just being easy. Yeah, yeah. What ratio about, like as an estimate, of vaccinated to unvaccinated people are presenting to you in ED at the moment? Like I know it's hard to sort of gauge exactly how that corresponds to the rates of vaccination amongst the Victorian population and amongst the area that your hospital is situated in, but. Can you give us a rough idea?
1: Well, I, I, can, I can give a rough idea. So it was only up until recently we asked people, are you vaccinated or not? Um, for the last 18 months, you would come to hospital with COVID and that wasn't a question that we would ask you. But um, I was reading a study earlier and it said the vast majority of new COVID cases and ones that have been hospitalised um, are amongst the unvaccinated. And I don't think there's been a death where... Um, the patient has been vaccinated at all. Um, There's no statistic to suggest this. Sorry, I'm getting my words all done up. Um, For example, I like to give this example. So, for example, if I get five patients a shift with COVID, one or two of them are partially vaccinated. So that's how low your vaccination rates are at the moment with people who are presenting to hospital. Um, Another example example I'd like to give, um, I'm I'm one of seven in my family, Five of them are at home vaccinated, except mum. Mum got COVID and they're all all pretty okay at the moment and they all live with mum. So it shows you that vaccines do work and it shows you the difference in symptoms of those who are vaccinated and those who are not. Mum took the first dose, she feels okay. Whereas, you know, my aunties, none of them are vaccinated and they got quite sick with COVID. So it does, you, you can see the difference with those who are vaccinated and those who are not vaccinated.
0: Mm, And it's really interesting hearing you talk about not only the hospital stats, but, like, it's actually in your community, in your family.
1: family. Yeah, yeah, it's in my family. And it's really amazing to see that they all live together. And obviously mum's situated in one room, but, hey, they use the same toilet and stuff, and they're all okay, and mum's the only one year with COVID. So it's amazing.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was watching uh, some videos from Professor Tracy in the US talking about how that process actually works with the vaccination preventing the infection. And she was discussing how part of the the job of the immune response from the vaccination is that when your body is presented with the coronavirus entering your body somewhere, it can basically go and bind to those particles and wrap around them and take them to be excreted from your body. So it's it's basically like being a bouncer to stop yes. that infection setting root in your body somewhere, which is yep. why the two doses is so important because it's giving your body a chance to practice.
1: Yeah, it's stronger stronger coverage um, for a longer time.
0: Mm. So you're saying like in New South Wales, we have had some deaths where people have, where they have been double vaccinated and usually they're people who are elderly or, or immunocompromised, which is still, tragic but when you're seeing these people uh start off in emergency department perhaps move to the ward and then icu or whichever direction their hospital journey goes does that journey take a different course if they're vaccinated or not from what you're seeing
1: and it's so oh like as in treatment wise or um the I way they're, the way they're experiencing covid
0: Probably the way they're experiencing it. So when they're coming to you, do vaccinated, like you're saying that not many vaccinated people are presenting for a start, but are you saying that sort of they might get to ward stage and then get better and leave rather than having that cascade of deterioration to ICU?
1: Yeah, so from from the ones I've looked after, this is like personally from the patients I've looked after who have been partially vaccinated, they don't go further than the wards, but that's from what I know. So once they kind of leave ED, you check up on them, you know, on your next shift, but after that, you don't really know much about them. So from the ones that I have looked after, they either go home from emergency department or if they need extra monitoring, they experience an episode where they had low stats for a long period of time in ED, they'll get admitted to the ward, Um, but none of them have gone past the wards. If you get it. But I don't know because there are patients in ICU at the moment who are partially vaccinated. So, um, and I shared the stats. So I don't know if you saw them on my Instagram. Um, I shared those stats where I think there was like two out of 14 that were vaccinated in ICU.
0: Yeah, there was um, one that you put up on the 28th of September that was saying of 16 in ICU, there yeah. were two or three of them that were partially vaccinated and the rest were unvaccinated. Yeah. 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 Okay. Are you seeing any impacts on kids with COVID at the moment? Like, are you getting any kids presenting to hospital at this point? Because I know that's starting to be a thing, like, in the US, particularly with under 12s.
1: Yeah, and um, in the UK as well, apparently, they've um, Mm -hmm. they've had quite a few deaths of um, children, deaths from COVID. But we're not seeing much in Australia. I don't know New South Wales, but I know Melbourne, I'm not sure if you've had any deaths because I don't work with children. I work with adults. but I don't think they get as sick as we do with COVID um, and that is why the vaccine is really um, kind, kind of advertised for 12 years and older because I don't think those below five years are getting sick or um, they're just showing really mild symptoms with corona. Um, I read a study and I think you had it up there as well yeah, so it says uh, the virus can affect children, however, they are less likely to have the symptoms. And um, children dying from COVID is rare currently in Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's still the case. And I think part of the adults being vaccinated is that that extra exposures and viral load that they would be getting in the home isn't there. So the places that I've been reading about that are having higher rates of childhood hospitalisation are having lower rates of adult vaccination and so perhaps if they're living in like multi generational households or whatever they're just getting. Too much virus and what their immune systems can cope with, but this is just speculating, so I was just wondering if you're not getting any um, kids at the moment in your ED, then that is a really good.
1: And it says here that um, in Australia, the number of cases of COVID in children is quite low. And I think it was only 4.5% of cases have been um, in school-aged children between 5 and 17. So that's still quite low. It's Um, quite low, but but
0: also schools have been shut for a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so we're going to kind of
0: have to wait and see, aren't we?
1: 100%, 100%
0: can you perhaps touch on the ways the pandemic and maybe the disease itself might be playing out differently for communities that have say have english as a first language and those who maybe don't or are from backgrounds that are marginalized in different way or regional communities or like can can you discuss that a little bit for us yeah
1: 10%. Yeah. so um this is partly the reason why I started um, advocating on my Instagram. So I'm from a Lebanese community, Lebanese Muslim community, and we're quite a big community. Um, and many of us, the generations, have come from you know war, war-torn countries. So English is not their first language. Um, you know, they sit between low to middle socioeconomic um, you know, uh, backgrounds. We started to see, I don't know if you've heard of it in New South Wales, but uh, we started to see a lot of cases within this community from uh, the Arabic-speaking community. So I came to work one day and we have like a, a COVID corridor and I knew every single person that was in the cubicles. And I was like, well, this is bizarre. Like, I knew this person and this person was related to mum this person was related to dad and this person, you know, lives here and, like, you just knew them. And I'm like, "God, mm. oh, this is odd. Like, why... And they're not related so everyone that was in the cubicles were not related and I went home and I remember talking to my husband and I'm like "Well, oh, something's not right like there were so many Arabic speaking people in ED today and he goes oh really I was like yeah whatever we ignored it then every shift that I went to it just kept getting more and more and more and I started to see more people that I knew and cousins that I never knew existed but they knew me and I'm like like there's something not quite right like there's a gap in the community and there's something happening and the cases, the number of cases, of, like we're rising, and they were all well. Ninety percent of them were from the Arabic-speaking community, um, and that's be, that's impacted us a lot right now because it's we've had already this week three deaths from COVID within one community, mm. and that's a lot of deaths in a space of two weeks from um, Corona. So there isn't there is a massive difference in um, non-English speaking backgrounds and you know, English speaking. And I think it comes down to health literacy. Um, there is a gap in health literacy. Not many people understand the health system and um, there's a lot of mistrust and fear going on right now. And I find that the problem is a lot of them are getting health and politics mixed up. And that's, mm. that shouldn't be the case. So there's a lot of um, like politically driven denial of the vaccine. So, you know, you ask someone, why don't you want the vaccine? It's like, well, why don't you trust the government? But it's like, well, the government's got nothing to do with your health and the government's got nothing to do with your, va- like, with the vaccine. The government didn't make the vaccine. So I think a big component of it is health, literary, health literacy. And this is why I've kind of taken it upon myself to use my platform to reach out to my community because seeing a lot of them sick and seeing a lot of them in ICU and seeing a lot of them die, it it like it breaks your heart. Like, it's just like, what, what, like what's going on? Like, where is... Where are we going wrong basically? And I think you know, with the slow vaccine rollout, um, and I think limited resources, and like the news is obviously in English and and just, extended
0: like, lockdowns, and all of these things that you understand 100%. why there's a culture of distrust,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. So, there is a massive difference. Like, you know, in the news, they brag on about how Brighton's ha- Brighton has Brighton's like quite an affluent. Um, suburb in Melbourne and they've got minimal cases. But they all got vaccinated first, you get what I mean? So you can't, it's mm. very hard to um, compare high socioeconomic with middle class or low class and then play the blame game. It doesn't work like that. It's just, yeah, we have to really get down to the level of the community and understand why this is happening to this certain community.
0: Mm. And I was reading an article on ABC News yesterday about how some of the community health teams and just community champion kind of advocates are tackling tackling yeah. these problems, particularly up around the Northern parts of Melbourne. What is happening in your community now? Like you are using your voice and using your platform, but yeah. are there other outreach services that are now happening? Like are they doing yeah. vaccination differently to how they were before? Like what's different yeah. now?
1: So, they've um, created easily accessible vaccine hubs. So, there's a vaccine hub at um, a mosque in each area, so in the northern suburbs and in the west- western suburbs. Um, they've also made testing quite easier as well. So, um, there are people who come out to test you for COVID if you can't leave your home. If you've got, you have to understand the Arabic speaking community don't have one to two kids. We're talking a household of six, seven kids. Yeah at a time imagine taking all these kids with you and waiting an hour or so in the line to get tested that it's not possible for them you know mm. so there's that option but it's really good um, that uh, different representatives of the community are coming together to um advocate for the vaccine and make it uh, readily accessible for the community at the moment and um the Moderna vaccine is also available at the pharmacies which makes it easier for people to access as well
0: Okay. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I just have one further question for you before you do go, Mariam. Um, This one was from somebody who wrote in to me asking, why is it that pregnant people are getting sicker than non-pregnant ones? Is it about the pregnancy itself or is it that they're more hesitant to get the vaccine or is it a bit of both?
1: Um, I think it's the pregnancy itself. So a lot of people get mixed up and say, oh, if you're pregnant, you're immunocompromised. No, uh, they're very, very two different things. But yes, a lot of things do change in your body when you are pregnant. Um, so pregnant women are extremely susceptible to respiratory viruses, such as the flu um, and such as COVID because of the changes they make in their lungs. Um, you know, you're sharing, your, you're basically sharing your lungs with your fetus. So you're sharing that, you're un- offloading that oxygen to your fetus so that is why if you do get COVID or if you do get a respiratory virus you're at a higher risk of getting much sicker and needing hospitalization with it so um, yeah it's it's because of the changes that your body makes um, when you're pregnant.
0: Mm. And I was that's interesting you say it's about like what's happening inside the lungs because I was even thinking from a visual sense from the outside we know that the baby is taking up so much room our organs mm. get pushed up mm. the lung space itself is kind of compromised already there's all these yes. factors that are leading to it makes it hard to breathe
1: <laughs> yes a hundred percent it's I think it's a lot of a lot to do with the lungs and exactly right the physical the like you know your physical compartment as well
0: mm. brilliant yes it's a good thing I think um, I think the message is more clear and getting out more in Australia about the need for COVID vaccination in pregnancy now, particularly through that sort of first and second trimester so that you are protected during the risky third trimester time, because the rates of vaccination in places like the US and UK among pregnant people have been quite low and the negative outcomes seem to be quite high in those areas so yeah. So
1: that um, conducted, and he actually said you were sixty-two percent um, more like sixty-two percent more likely to end up in an ICU if you're pregnant than those who are not pregnant, mm, so that and two
0: point one times like, more likely to die, which is yeah even yeah. scarier.
1: yeah, very scary.
0: Mm. Now I know you do some work even before your uh, sort of COVID. Related activism started, you do some work with an organization called the Humble Mission. Could you give yeah, they- some info about that and how we can support what you're doing there to make a difference in these communities that are so hard hit by COVID right now?
1: So um the Humble Mission is a nonprofit organization that provide aid. Um, and assistance to the vulnerable community so they do what we call a relief by the river every Saturday in the Melbourne CBD, and we hold like I I like to call it a festival because it's like a festival so basically what they do is like a massive barbecue for the homeless people which is absolutely amazing Um, and then they have like different stores so you've got like a grocery stall you've got a clothes stall um, and then you've got like my healthcare station stall so it's like you know, these homeless individuals line up and they get given shopping bags and they're literally going shopping. So they go get their groceries to this store and then they'll have like a, you know, a, a sausage and then they'll go have like a coffee, some soup and then they'll go choose and try on their own clothes. And once all that's done, obviously food's the most important thing right now. They'll come to the healthcare station and, um, just ask for the most basic things like Band-Aids. Some of them want to, um, basic dressings, like wound dressings, attended to. And it's just so nice to see the community get, get together. Like um, an individual gets his own, like what do you call them? The big speakers, the DJ speakers, and they play music and dance and get together. And it's just so nice to do something, something like non-COVID, if you get what I mean. Like it's yeah. just so nice <laughs> just to go out there and see people who have little to nothing appreciate just the small things in life and on like the humble mission honestly like saved my life during COVID like it was just something to look forward to every week and just provide for like the more vulnerable community like they they live on the streets like they don't have much which Mm. is really sad at the moment and they're all vaccinated they make it very, very very clear to you when you go to them like I'm vaccinated I'm vaccinated so they're very happy about that um But yeah, so give Humble Mission a follow, support them. Um, They're currently um, trying to get a van because they don't have much room in their cars anymore to stock and deliver all these um, donations that we're getting from the community. So it'd be great if you guys can give them a follow, shout out and just support them in any way you can.
0: Thank you. And I think that's a beautiful way to be able to give back uh, if you've benefited from some of the work that Mariam's doing on her Instagram is to support one of these. Uh, and, in, and in ED as well, to support um, this organisation that's so close to her heart.
1: They also, uh, just to add on, if anyone is struggling and is in quarantine or isolation at the moment, they do do um, COVID relief deliveries. So if you're in need of any necessities, any food, um, anything really, just let us know and they're happy to deliver these to your door um, if you're stuck in quarantine.
0: And that's all around the Melbourne area. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Mariam.
1: Thank I'll pop
0: uh, Instagram handle into our into our show notes, and thank you again. Thank you for all the work that thank you do, you. and I hope this is over and done with as quickly as possible for you.
1: For all and of I us, your uncle's okay all too. Well oh, thank you so much. Yeah, any questions? Just let me know. Any clarification regarding the vaccine, extra education? I'm more than happy to answer them and help out where it's Brilliant. needed. Brilliant.
0: Thank you so much.
1: No, Bye. thank you so much, for coming, Anna. Thank you. Bye.
0: enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Please remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review and share with anyone you feel may benefit from this content. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join me on social media at Anna Cusack Postpartum and head to my website www.annacusack.com.au to check out the ways we can work together. Please use the contact form on the website to inquire about having me run workshops with your client groups or book me for corporate speaking or professional development presentations. See you next episode.